0: Welcome to the third Sunday of the Advent season. Um, continuing our our, t- our season of remembrance, I've just really been reflecting on that. What, how important it is for us to come back to this each and every year, remembering all that the Bible tells us about the coming of Jesus, who He is, what He did, why He came, how that affects all of us. This is the foundation of what it means to be a Christian, to really understand who Jesus is and why he came. Um, And we have these two periods, Christmas and Easter, where we really come back to the central focus and remind ourselves once again who we are because of Jesus. And as we approach Christmas, we want to continue to look at these events surrounding the birth of Jesus. And I recall that Many people at the time Jesus was born were watching for the signs of a coming Messiah, a Savior that was promised by God long ago. King Herod watched with fear and jealousy for a king who would come and take his throne. We read about the wise men or the magi who were watching the stars, looking for a sign of the newborn king. And then Jewish scholars and religious leaders, many others who were were anxious for someone to come lead them in victory over Rome were watching for the signs of that Savior who would rise up and conquer the surrounding kingdoms for the sake of God and for the sake of Jews. And all these people knew that there was a Messiah coming because God had spoken to the people through his prophets many centuries before. We have access to the writings of many of those prophets in the Bible. One of those prophets, Isaiah, had several prophecies to make about this Messiah. So we want to start this morning by reading what Isaiah foretold in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Let's open up to that together. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. We read there Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of the shadow of the death, and on those living in the shadow the land of the shadow of death a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you, as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them. The bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Let me just pause right there. You can see the language of this prophecy, how much anticipation there would have been among the Jews to be freed, to be released, to have this oppression removed from them. We go on in verse 5. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This was the promise from God centuries before Jesus was ever born. There would be a Savior coming to free his people. For unto us a child is born. To us, a son is given. And we know now that, that that Savior was Jesus, the Son of God Himself, who came to free all people from the burden of sin, from the guilt, from the punishment owed that we deserve for our sin. He came to free us all. And we celebrate at Christmas time the coming of this child for us. A child is born. To us, a son is given. The wise men knew they'd be looking for a child, not some prominent person ready to take a throne or an adult with the wisdom of God, but a child. And there's something significant, I think, about the fact that Jesus came as a child. And every year we remember this important moment when the Son of God entered the world in the flesh as an innocent Baby, dependent on those around him. And I want to just ask you for a moment to just share some thoughts on what that, look, what the image of a child, how dependent they are on another person. What are the things that come to mind when you think about what a child needs to depend on other people for? Food, Food. yeah, for one. They can't feed themselves. yeah anything else clothing yeah education training they come into the world not really knowing anything about the world love and encouragement, love and encouragement yeah protection they're defenseless Unable to feed themselves, unable to clothe themselves. They don't have the muscle control to pick things up, to walk. A child is completely dependent on those who take them into their care. That was the state that Jesus was in when he came into this world. Have you ever really thought about that? How much the Son of God humbled himself to make himself completely dependent on. On those human beings whose family he was born into. And there's something important for us to pay attention to here about the fact that Jesus humbled himself in this way. I think there's an example Jesus is setting for us about a life of faith. That to live by faith in God so often involves returning to him again and again with childlike dependence. Let's think, just spend a few moments before we dig much deeper into this about what Scripture tells us about children. And again, I want to put this out to you. When you think about common verses that you know or you hear about children, what are the most prominent ones that come to your mind? I want to just hear where you are before I tell you what what comes to my mind. What are the most prominent Bible verses you have heard in your life about children? Suffer little children to come to me. We'll get to that one. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> faith like have faith like a child. Very good. Yes. Anything else? Spare the rod. Spoil the child. That's the one I thought of first, actually. In my experience, that is one of the most common verses I have heard in my experience about children. Spare the rod, spoil the child. And to me, that is a reflection of what our culture, even our church culture, places children. Children are unruly. They misbehave. We need to get them under control. We need to discipline them. There is Discipline is important. It is. But I think about verses like that that are so often used. Colossians 3.20, Children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. And we use that. And it's true. And these are scriptures, so I don't, I'm not saying that these aren't true, but they are elevated so much that I think this is where our culture is. Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Proverbs 13:24. Proverbs 29. A rod and a reprimand impart wisdom, but a child left undisciplined disgraces its mother. When the wicked thrive, so does sin, but the righteous will see their downfall. Discipline your children and they will give you peace for they will bring you the delight you desire. And that statement, again, I feel is used so often in our culture. Children need to give me peace. Children need to delight my desires, and so I need to control them. That is the attitude, I think, our culture in general has about children. And again, certainly discipline is part of learning self-control and integrity as a young person. But we often see these kinds of passages elevated and used as justification to bring children under adult control because children need to be controlled. Right, Willow? <laughs> oh! <laughs> do you see that kind of attitude throughout your culture? I I do, and that's why I brought it up. But do, do others see that? That children, are they need to be brought under control. We need to make sure they behave according to my desires as the parent or the adult in the room. But scripture elevates children in some other ways and teaches us to honor children. And while it is, again, important that we all learn discipline and as parents that we do raise our our children to know the Lord's ways and and to, to honor him. We need to balance that with a proper understanding of how God views children. And so listen to some of these verses that the Bible speaks, where the Bible speaks about God's heart toward children. Let me find them where I have them. Proverbs 17.6 says, Children's children are a crown to the aged. And parents are the pride of their children. So children's children, speaking of grandchildren, are a, a crown to the aged. They bring such joy and pride, don't they? And parents are the pride of their children. There ought to be an honoring relationship between parent and child. Psalm 127, 3 through 5, said, Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring, a reward from him. Children are a reward from the Lord. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born into one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of children. Children are a blessing. Deuteronomy 6 tells us as parents, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And I, I bring that up just to, to point out the responsibility adults are given to teach God's truths, God's plans and purpose for, his, for their lives, God's unconditional love and acceptance for them, along with God's laws and rules. We're to teach that God has a purpose for their lives. And so it's not just on the children to get things right, but on us to impart who God is to them. Proverbs 22.6, Start children off in the way they should go. Even when they're old, they will not turn from it. And that's not just, again, teaching them God's laws and rules, but teaching them who God is and how God views them. At Treehouse, we use this phrase over and over again, you are lovable, capable, and worthwhile. We communicate that to teens, but that's a truth that applies to every single human being, and it applies to all of our children. They are lovable, capable, and worthwhile, regardless of anything they have ever done, good or bad. They are inherently worthwhile, inherently lovable, inherently capable, because God created them, and that's part of what we teach them about the way they should go. I point out all these things just to highlight that God loves children and scriptures honors children. Just as the the scripture honors other human beings, men, women, slaves, servants, children, adults. We have all these distinctions between different people in our world today and we often point out the faults with different people, but scripture elevates every single type of person as someone who is worthy of honor and love and care. And today, as we think about a child coming to us, we want to we celebrate and honor the children in our lives, as Scripture calls us to do. And as we raise our children in the way they should go, we want to avoid taking what seems to be the easy way of the world to just control the direction of kids' lives according to our desires. We want to release them to God and let God lead them. And then I want to come to the verse that that Steve highlighted, how Jesus responded to children. For that, let's turn to Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 15. I love this passage so much. Mark chapter 10, 13 through 15. Now, imagine the crowd. Jesus was a very popular te- uh, teacher, always surrounded by crowds of people looking to hear from him. People wanted him to heal them, to speak to them, to give them some kind of blessing. And so in Mark 10, verses 13, we, see, we hear that people were bringing little children to have Jesus touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. Right? Imagine that scene. People are trying to bring their children to Jesus and like, oh, get the kids out of here. Jesus is too important for this. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said, Let, he said to them, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And then he says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children into his arms and he put his hands on them and blessed them. There's something very important for us to grasp in this as we live out our life of faith. Can somebody read for me again, verse 15 there? Anyone just want to read Mark ten fifteen? Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not the kingdom of God like a child will never enter. Ever thought about that? How difficult it is to live in the kingdom of God, to embrace the kingdom of God, enter the kingdom of God, unless you are like a child. I think that's important for us to reflect on as we think about this child coming to us, to have a childlike faith. What does the Bible say we become when we receive God's grace by faith in Jesus? Romans 8.14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children. When I read... First John, I always smile when John speaks about, like he addresses the Christians that he's writing to. He says, "Dear children, continue in Him, so that when He appears, you may be confident and unashamed before His coming." He's and verse John, First John three eighteen. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, with actions and in truth. He addresses the Christians that he's writing to as dear children. Some translation says little children. And then consider what Jesus told the Pharisee, Nicodemus. Nicodemus came. He knew that Jesus was a great teacher, and he was saying, "Help me to understand how to live by faith." Jesus answered, "This is John three. Let's read it together. John chapter three, verses five through seven. All right, we all know John 3:16. but this comes before that. John three verses five through seven. So backing up just a little bit, verse 2, Nicodemus came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, I know you are, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. And in reply, Jesus declared, I, declared, I tell you the truth, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can a man be born again, or be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born And jesus answered I tell you the truth unless a man is born of water And spirit he can he cannot enter the kingdom of god Flesh gives birth birth to flesh and spirit gives birth to spirit You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again There's something very significant about Coming into faith in jesus that we be born once again. There's it's not just that we're spiritually reborn. We talk about the symbology of, of our old self dying away and we rise to new life. But we come to new life as a child. We're born as a child of God. And then we have to embrace childhood, a childlike faith once again. So much about living by faith in Jesus is about returning to the innocence and freedom and love of a child. And so we return to each year at Christmas to remember that to us a child was given. This child is a picture of who we are to return to again and again in our faith toward God. And what does it mean really to have faith like a child? We start out life as a child trusting, depending on those around us, right? You can probably think back or you you can observe a child today to see how, how easily they love and trust those around them. They just embrace and accept what's given to them. They're quick to love and accept others. But what happens to us as we grow older? As I stop and think about that, I think about two different kinds of we we would call it wisdom. I'm not sure one of them is really wisdom, but I couldn't think of a better word for today. That we gain, so we gain true wisdom. We gain things by learning about the world. We learn about God. We we learn how things work. As a child, they develop muscles, and they learn to walk, and they learn to feed themselves. They learn to think for themselves. They learn how God made them, what their gifts are. We learn how to apply those gifts to the world. That's good knowledge, and we use it in wise ways. That's the wisdom that we gain. We learn how to use the knowledge that we have to flourish and to do good work in the world. But then there's the other type of, quote, wisdom that we gain that comes from exposure to the sinfulness of the world. We make vows, don't we? Yes. Yes. Right? Yeah, it's not true wisdom. We, in our minds, we think we're being wise. Something happens to us, it's not, something bad happens, and we're like, never again. I will never trust again. I will never do that again. I will never go there again because I am not going to let that happen to me ever again. Right? We make those kinds of vows. And we start to build up on our mind a picture of the kinds of person we need to avoid, the kind of situation we need to avoid. And we don't realize that what we're doing is assuming that every other person that we meet that somewhat matches that character is going to be like that same person once again. And now we've blocked ourselves off from experiencing certain relationships. We've blocked ourselves off from certain experiences that God may have, want us to have. Because, and it's not to deny the badness of those things. I never want to say... Just, it's not that we want to ignore those things, right? Those things do happen to us. We do experience the sinfulness of the world, the brokenness. Terrible things have been done to us. But our response so often is a self-protective kind of response that we close ourselves off. We stop trusting. We isolate ourselves, and that's exactly the opposite of what God wants. And the only way for us to break out of that is to become like a child again. To trust. To believe. To hope. But where do you place that? Are you going to place that in people? No, we've become too wise for that. We know that people can and will fail us. We can learn to trust that there are some people that we can trust certain parts of ourselves with. But we need to learn to trust in the Lord, that he is a good father, a loving father, a caring parent. We need to learn that he loves us completely. And so we need to... remind ourselves to, to open ourselves back up to living in the fullness of who God wants us to be. Wendy found this, this quote that she, that she asked if I could share with us today that I think encapsulates what I'm trying to say. God made you perfectly for this world, for, for his purposes, for his intent, for you to enjoy this life to the full. And living by faith in him so often is about remembering who God made you to be. Can you remember who you were before the world told you who you were? So living by faith, I think, is about releasing those things, those those false truths, those lies, those deceptions, letting go of some of those vows, and trusting the Lord again, coming back to who he made us to be. Believing in something better than what we're experiencing now because that's what God promised. Our culture teaches us to think and believe in certain ways that are opposed to God's ways. And we pick those things up along the way, that we let them attach themselves to us, and we've got to release them again and become more and more childlike in the way that we live. So can you remember who you were before the world told you who you should be? We must return again and again to observe this child that God has given us. The child that God risked placing in the hands of imperfect people to provide him love, to care for him. Right? Mary and Joseph were given a very honoring task, a a, a noble task. They were entrusted with the Son of God himself. And God reminds us to place ourselves in the hands of a perfect God. To trust him with a childlike faith. To love us and to provide for us. To heal us from the past. To teach us more about himself and what it means to truly love others through the things that have happened to us sometimes. God reminds us that he will provide for us by training us to love to protect and support encourage others who may have experienced the same things we have in life to help them learn to trust the Lord as well, to heal, to grow, to overcome the past. God teaches us to love as he loves, with a freedom that comes from knowing that we are his now and forever, that nothing in this world and no one can take away from us. There's a childlike faith in believing that, that the world cannot take away what God has promised me. That his love is greater than all things. And seeing Jesus as a child reminds us to look at the world once again in wonder. The wonder of Jesus' coming, the wonder of God's creation, to regain a childlike wonder for God's majesty. Sometimes I think about the, just the... What's the word? The brilliance of Christmas. It's just that wonder of God coming again and, and opening our eyes to feel the joy of the Lord and the mighty works of his hands. And so as we celebrate the coming of the child Jesus, I want to ask us today to remember and return to and embrace faith like a child. Become childlike, and the way you interact with the Lord. And you will discover new freedoms, new joys, new hope. You will learn to live again in some ways that perhaps you have closed off because of what the world has done to you. We're not asking you to ignore those things. We're not asking you to deny them. We're asking you to allow the Lord to come in and heal you and strengthen you. To provide for you like a loving father, and that takes a childlike faith. So let's praise the Lord for his provision, for the goodness that he gives us, and ask him to teach us to live like children once again. Let's pray, and then we'll celebrate him. Heavenly Father, thank you that one may say, Father, that is something that can bring joy and hope and strength, Lord. Many of us have experienced something less than that in this world, Lord. We have experienced so much of the hardness of life, and it has changed us. And we come before you, Lord, laying down our lives, trusting you, asking you to help us see the world again through your eyes, to release the things that we need to let go of, to embrace you, to hold your hand and trust. Trust you with faith like a child. In Jesus' name, amen.